Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. You know, today we're continuing a series, and uh, we, we've titled this series, How Do You Feel? And it's a question that is worth asking uh, these days, right? With all that's going on, with all the difficulties, with the crisis, uh, it's an appropriate question to ask these days. Because the truth is that if we are honest and transparent and vulnerable, the truth is that even if you haven't lost your job, that even if you haven't lost a loved one to COVID-19, that there's all kinds of feelings happening inside of you. And some of them are good, but many of them are not. And difficulties, what difficulties and crises and, and hardships tend to do is that they, they tend to bring those ugly feelings to the surface. They tend to bring out our anxiety. They tend to bring out our anger. They tend to bring out depression. And the worst part of it is not that they rise to the surface, but that the worst part is that we don't know how to handle our feelings. We don't always know what to do. And it's important that we learn how to overcome our feelings because if we don't, they can wreak havoc in our life. They can wreak emotional, physical, and spiritual havoc. If we don't know how to deal with our emotions, they can negatively affect our marriage, our family, our relationships, and even your personal well-being. That's why we're doing this series. In the first series, we talked about what to do when you feel overwhelmed. Last week, we talked about fear. And today, I want to talk to you about worry. And here's, here's the truth, okay? Can we all start on level plan, uh, plan, uh, ground? We all worry. We all worry. Worry is something that we all deal with and we all struggle with. Now, what's worry? Just in case you're saying, no, pastor, that, that may be you and your wife, but we, I, I don't worry. Well, let me define worry for us. Worry is a negative state of mind that, that produces constant fear and concern about the future and looks at negative stuff that could happen at danger or discomfort. In other words, worry happens when in your mind you constantly contemplate, you constantly replay the bad things that could happen to you, the bad things that could come down the road. And worry doesn't happen in our body. Worry happens in our mind when we are concerned. Now, let me tell you something. Worry begins as concern. And biblically speaking, there is a legitimate concern that we as Christians ought to have and can have. There's some things that we can legitimately be concerned about. We can be concerned about our two-year-old running out the street and getting hit by a car. That's a legitimate concern. And there is room for us as believers to have those legitimate concerns. But when we constantly abide in the negative, that legitimate concern becomes worry and worry leads to fear. And last week we saw that fear doesn't come from the Lord. 
Whenever there's fear, you got to know that the enemy is present. And you got to know that he's trying to mess with you. Because the Bible says that God did not give us a spirit of fear. Fear comes from the enemy. And perhaps the worst part about worry is not only that it leads to fear, but that, that, that then fear and worry can open the door to anxiety, to depression. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about depression. But that's the danger of worry. You know, 500 years ago, Michael Montaigne said the following. He said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune. And he was talking about worry. And this is what he said. My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. Did you know that studies have found that 85% of the stuff we worry about never really happens? 85% of the things you stay up at night contemplating, the things that, 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 that bring fear in you, never happen. 85% of them. And then of the 20 that remains, of that, of that 15 that remains, I'm sorry, of the 15% of things that we worry about that do happen, 80% of those things can easily be solved with little work. So some of the stuff we worry about we could stop worrying if we only did a little bit of work. And then the remaining 20% of that 15% of things that do happen usually produce lessons worthwhile. They usually teach us something that we truly enjoy. You know, worry is nothing more than a mind that is full of fear that punishes itself with exaggerations and misinterpretations. Worry is useless. That's why Christ tells us in Philippians 4, 6, he says, don't worry about anything. Now that's nice of Jesus to say, right? But that's not easy to do, right? Many of us, we don't know how to worry. Many of us don't even know where to start. In fact, the opposite is true of many of us. Some of us, we're professionals at worry. We're really, really good at worry. If there was an Olympics that had to do with worry, some of us would win. You want to know if you're a professional at worrying? Let me ask you a few, let me give you a few signs of professionals at worrying. Number one, professionals, they tend to obsess with problems. Number two, they are easily disturbed by small annoyances. Number three, they feel drained all the time. Even on their day off, they're drained. Why? Because they're worrying. Number four, they constantly review past events late at night. Do you stay late at night contemplating all the negative stuff that could happen, that 85% of the time doesn't happen? And last but not least, professionals at worry, they tend to be defensive in confrontations. They tend to be defensive in confrontations. That's why today we want to learn how to overcome worry. Now, it's important that we do this, not only because of the havoc of the destruction that it can cause in our lives, but most importantly, here's why. Because worry doesn't let you become the person that God wants you to become. Worry won't let you be the husband God wants you to be. Worry won't let you be the wife God wants you to be. Worry won't let you be the Christian that God wants you to be. 
But also worry won't let you be the person you want to be. Because I may not know you, but I know that none of us want to waste our time on things that are never going to happen. And none of us want to be constantly making decisions on, positive, on, posit, on negative things that can possibly happen. And we're going to look at Matthew 8, 23 to 27. If you have your Bibles, you can open it with me. If you have your phone, you can turn it on and, and go to Matthew 8, 23 through 27. In this story, Jesus Christ, he's going to teach us how to overcome worry. He's going to model for us how worry can be overcome. Look at what Matthew 8, 23 through 27, I'm reading off the NLT version. Look at what it says. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. This is a story you may be familiar with. Verse 24, look at that first word. Suddenly, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was what? Worrying, right? Jesus was praying. Jesus was studying. Jesus was, was in this awesome moment with the Father. What was Jesus doing? Do you ever feel like Jesus is sleeping in the middle of your storm? Verse 25. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going down. Okay, let me stop right there. You have to remember that these are professional uh, fishermen. These guys knew how to handle a boat. They knew how to navigate the seas. And they're in a moment where they're shouting at Jesus. Have you ever pictured yourself shouting at Jesus literally? It's almost like shouting at your mom, right? If, 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 if you're a Hispanic, you know that shouting at your mom will get you a good one in the cheek, right? Oh, that was just me? Okay. No, my mom never slapped me. I just want to make that clear. Because I everybody looking at her. Um, verse 25, the disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going down. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves. And suddenly there was a great, what? Calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. You know, this verse, this passage, is, 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 it's a really good illustration of life. Jesus and the disciples in the boat are symbolic of our journey in life. And we may be walking with the Lord, but the passage tells us that although the disciples were with Jesus, suddenly a storm arose. Nobody saw this crisis coming. We don't see most of the stuff that, that really affects us. It feels like if it just came from the corner, it feels like it just came out of nowhere. And the passage tells us that the storm brought waves that were overwhelming, that they were covering the boat. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you're in a financial crisis that is more than you can handle? That you're in a relational crisis where you don't know what to do? Where you're in a health crisis where you feel like giving up? And the passage tells us that the disciples, although they were with Jesus, they were afraid. They were, they were shocked. They thought they were going to die. That they worried and they even 
panicked. But the important thing in this passage is not what's happening to the disciples. The important thing in this passage is what Jesus is doing as these events are taking place. What is Jesus doing as this storm is taking place? He's sleeping. Why is Jesus sleeping? Because he's not worried. He's not worried about anything. And neither, and listen, Jesus was sleeping to model to us that even in storms, we can find rest. Even in difficult times, would you give the Lord a, a round of applause? Come on. The disciples are worried, they're panicking, they're full of fear, but Jesus is asleep. Because he's not scared, he's not worried, he's not anxious. So we see three things in this passage that I want to share with you really quickly to help you overcome worry. You ready for this? Number one, to overcome worry, here's the first thing that I see in this passage. If you want to overcome worry, talk to Jesus. If you want to overcome worry, the first thing you got to do is talk to Jesus. Worry happens when we talk to ourselves, Right? When we're like, oh, what if he's cheating on me? Oh, what if she's spending my credit cards? Oh, what if they're getting high? Oh, what if they're having sex? You know, we talk to ourselves. And all that happens when we constantly mulch things in our mind is that what? We worry. So instead of worrying, talk to Jesus. Go to him. You know, everybody goes to someone. Who do you go to? Some of you, you run a Facebook some of you, you, you run to your comadre, you run to your buddy. Some of you, you run to a substance. Some of you, you run to depression. Go to Jesus and talk to Jesus. You know, church, I think many people believe and they have a genuine desire for Jesus. But not everybody takes advantage of having Jesus. There's many Christians who, 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 have, who are mindful of Jesus, but they don't run, they don't talk to Jesus. Look at what verse uh, 25 says. The disciples went, and what did they do? They woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We are going down. The stress frightened and worried disciples went to Jesus. And they even shouted. Let me tell you something. Jesus can handle your shouts. Jesus can handle your anger. And this is where we see the first lesson. When you feel worry coming, and if you want to overcome worry, you need to go to Jesus and you need to talk to Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, you may know this verse by mind. Look at what Philippians 4, 6 tells us about talking to Jesus. He says, don't worry about what? Anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Talking to Jesus is the antidote to worry. Talking to Jesus eliminates worry. But you need to know how to talk to him. You need to know how to pray to him. And if you want to overcome worry, when you pray, when you talk to God, there's three things you got to do. Number one, when you pray to eliminate worry, this passage tells us that you got to pray about everything. If you want to overcome worry, you got to pray about everything. 
Let me tell you something. The more things you talk to Jesus about, the less things you'll worry. The less things you talk to Jesus about, the more you will worry. There's two extremes. The first extreme is where we don't talk to Jesus about anything. We're just kind of, God, bless me, take care of me, give me a job, and don't let me die. And then there's the other extreme where we can talk to God about everything. Where are you in that spectrum? The more you talk to God, the less worry you'll have. The less you talk to God, the more worry you will have. Did I say that backwards? No, the more you talk to God, the more peace you'll have. The less you talk to God, the more worry you will have. So I want to ask you two questions. When do you pray? Do you pray all the time or do you only pray when storms come? And what do you pray for? Only what you think matters to God or do you pray about what matters to you as well? If you want to pray, if you want to talk to God in such a way that it overcomes worry, you got to talk to God about everything. But the second thing that passage shows us is that if we are to talk to God in a way to overcome worry, the second thing we need to do is that we need to be specific. We need to be specific. The verse says, tell God what you need. You know, sometimes we're afraid to tell God what we need. So we're very superficial. God, would you bless me? God, would you help me? God, would you, would you guide me? Would you speak to me? And you know what God is saying? How do you want me to bless you? How do you want me to help you? How would you like me to speak to you? Talk to God about everything and be specific. But the third thing that we learn in this passage about talking to God in such a way to overcome worry is that when we pray, we have to be grateful. We have to be grateful. You already know this. Gratitude changes your attitude. Gratitude changes your focus. Gratitude reminds you of how good God is and when you are reminded how good God is, worry somehow tends to lessen. When you feel worried, go to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. But the second thing that we see in this passage in Matthew, to overcome worry, not only do we need to talk to Jesus, but number two, we need to listen to Jesus. We need to listen to Jesus. After the disciples went to Jesus... They waited for an answer. He answered them. And look at what he says in Matthew 8, 26. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. When Jesus is awakened from his nap, he notices the concern. He notices the worry. He notices the emotions in his disciples. And he speaks to them. And when he speaks to them, he provides not only reflection, but direction. And when we worry, we need those two things. We need reflection and we need direction. And Jesus asks, he says, why are you afraid? If somebody would just ask you in your face, why are you worrying about such petty things? We would look at them differently. And Jesus provides reflection, but he also provides direction. And he says, why is your faith so little? In other words, instead of having fear, what you ought to have is faith. See, let me tell you something. Faith will change the way you deal with worry. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. And when we don't listen 
to what Jesus has to say. When we don't take time to hear God, our faith will diminish. And if you try to handle life by your own strength, by your own abilities, you're going to worry a lot. But if you take time to listen to God, your faith will increase. And your faith will pave the way, not only for God to move, but for you to receive that miracle in your life. So when you worry, talk to Jesus, but also listen to Jesus. And then the third thing, because I'm running out of time, to overcome worry, give Jesus control. Give Jesus control. Jesus rises right from his nap and he rebukes the wind and the sea. And the Bible tells us that just as fast as the storm came, it, it, it went. And look at what verse 27 says. Look at Matthew 8, 27. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They didn't even know Jesus, right? Can I tell you something? When you experience Jesus, you're going to experience things about him that you hadn't before. And you're going to be like, wow, he does this too? He can move this way too? Some of you, you only know Jesus by the things I tell you. And that's great, but that's not all there is. You got to experience him in your life. And the way you experience him is by giving him control. And the disciples who were with him, who had heard his teachings, who had seen him do miracles, they thought they knew who Jesus was until they were with him in this storm. And they said, man, not only is he a good teacher, not only can he do miracles, but he has control over the wind and sea. Who is this man? Right? Now, the disciples were amazed because of what they saw Jesus did. They knew that Jesus had control over the sea and the winds. And when you give Jesus control, your life changes. You know where most of our worry comes? Most of our worry comes from the fact that we try to control things that we don't have control over. Worry comes and we deceive ourselves that we are in control when we're really not. So why do we try to control what we weren't meant to control? Let me tell you something. If there's something you take this morning, this is it. As long as you try to be in control, you're going to worry. It isn't until you give God control that then peace can come into your life. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Last week we took, yeah, would you give the Lord a round of applause? Look at what 1 Chronicles 29, 11 says. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Do we have a big God or what? Let me read that again, and you're free to say amen if you want to. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is what? Yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is above over all things. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? 
We adore you as the one who is over all things. Do you really believe God is over all things? Well, then why don't you give him control of your life? If God is over the sea, if God is over the finances, if God is over your health, if God is over your kids, if God is over your marriage, if God can handle your parents' situation, if God can handle your kids, why not give him control? If we truly believe that he is above all things, why not? Now, I know why not. Because some of you guys are saying, Pastor, I've done that. I've given God control and things still feel out of control. Pastor, I've said, Jesus, you take the wheel and nothing has changed, Pastor. Here's my answer for you. God knows what he's doing. Trust his timing. Trust his process. And one thing I always preach to myself when I give God control and I don't see the things I want to see, is that I tell myself, if it isn't good, God isn't done. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.